We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to episode 20, Patty, 20 of uh, the Swider Show. We had a great guest this week, a guy that we've been talking about a lot, uh, Jimmy Beheim. It was great to catch up with him. He's out in Prague killing it right now. So uh, it was really great to catch up with Jimmy. Me, Patty, and Jimmy, or Jimmy, Patty, and I. Sorry, sorry for the grammar, Patty, nice. right there. Yeah, of um, course. My grandma's a, a a former English teacher, so she she would have she would have gone on me for that. But, <laughs> Is she uh, a listener of the pod? Oh, she listens every once in a while for sure. Meme, of course. Shout out I Meme. Love it. Um, but yeah, it was shout out Meme. Great to catch up with Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, Patty, and I actually stayed on and, and watched the the Syracuse NC State game together. So we're doing this. We're back to doing the, the pre show post interview, and uh, like I said, it was great to catch up with Jimmy. Yeah, it was perfect. I think it was, um, you know, someone we've mentioned a lot, someone that there's been a lot of questions about when you're going to get Jimmy on the pod. We wanted to wait for the right time, and with you being in the Eastern time zone, that helped a lot um, with Jimmy being six hours ahead of me on East Coast and nine hours ahead of you. It's, it's tough to find time with your guys' busy schedules, but Jimmy definitely delivered. I thought, uh, you know, he was, he was better than even expected, and... Stay tuned in future episodes because we have something else banked with Jimmy that will not be featured on this episode. But um, yeah, you guys will very much enjoy that little segment, and he'll also be back on in the future. So yeah, for sure, man. J- Jimmy's obviously a class act. We had a great year with him last year, um, and super super excited for you guys to listen to the interview. But before that, we got a we got a week to catch you guys up on. Oh yeah, unbelievable week. Um, I don't know where you want to start, Swider. I mean. You have, I guess we'll start here. You have a bunch of new teammates with the Lakers. Yeah. Crit. Um, I think everyone, you know, Lakers fans like myself, like everyone else listening, big fans of the acquisitions. Um, so kind of give us give us a peek behind the scenes how that works with the trade deadline. Have you met all the guys? I'm sure you have. I actually saw you meet them on Thursday. But, um, yeah, how's that transition been going? How are you guys feeling heading into the last, like, 25-game stretch here? Yeah, it's actually crazy, man. I mean, we were talking about it with Troy a little bit, just the trade deadline, like some of the things that happened within the trade deadline. And it's 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 weird. It's exciting. 
there's like all these different emotions that go into the trade deadline, right? I mean, this year I didn't have to really deal with it or, or worry about it just because of the um, the situation I'm in being on a two-way contract. But it, right. it, it was interesting just seeing all the guys, like Troy thinking he's safe, Max thinking he's safe. But at the same time, they're still stressing like everyone else because at the end of the day, like if those guys are like what Troy called it, deal sweeteners, maybe, yeah. maybe they are expendable. So I, I, it was a it was a – Crazy trans. It was a crazy uh, week for us, just just because we just have a whole new team now. But I think it's an exciting time for the Lakers, and, and it still gives the Lakers a lot of flexibility in this offseason to go out and make and make moves. Yeah, I um I actually got feedback from, you know, listeners, some friends about Troy's approach to the whole thing, which he kind of offered this different perspective that I'm sure a lot of NBA players have. And like we mentioned last week, he's younger than than us or same age as us but yeah. he's he's a vet in the nba he's been traded he's been on multiple teams and it's this mindset where it's like he said himself he's a deal sweetener yeah. and you kind of have to just be able to roll with the punches which is such an unrelatable lifestyle because it's like yeah i could be living in la and play for the lakers one day and then you know the next day you're playing for like the charlotte hornets not to i mean there's no specifics there but yeah yeah um which is- well, yeah, I think just, what's also interesting is that a couple of our guys are going through buyout situations too, so now they're not even playing. Right. So I listened mm-hmm. to the Pat Pat Bev podcast. Shout out Pat Pat Bev. Uh, and, I did uh, as well today. And he was just talking about how right now he's going through this buyout period with Orlando. Or did, did they just waive him? I think they might have just waived him. I think they bought him. I mean, it's the same same yeah. thing. I don't understand either way. But um, yeah, he was on Orlando for like they bought it or they traded for him with the intention of buying him out i think so uh yeah no so so he he was waived and he's talking about on the podcast how he's going through game days like like the same days the mm-hmm. lakers have games and he's trying to script and everything like that i think that's even more interesting than than like he, now he has the opportunity to go play for other teams right so it's it, it's it's cool man i mean it's uh it's definitely a different different life that we live in where your boss can just just yeah just trade you at any moment, um, but I think it's, it's an exciting time for the Lakers. I think we brought, we got back a lot of great pieces, and uh, just to add, when when LeBron comes back, I think we'll be a scary team out of the West. I, I, mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't want to play us in a one versus eight matchup oh. or a two versus seven matchup for sure. Absolutely not. Um, the new guys have been looking great. That that win on Saturday night was very impressive in Golden State. Um, D is very fun to watch. Vanderbilt, I feel like is probably under the radar a little bit for a lot of um, more casual NBA fans just because he's with Utah for this year. He came from – he was in the Gobert deal, right? Yeah, Minnesota, yep. Yeah, so now that he's, like, kind of more center stage with the Lakers, not to, you know, throw shade at Utah or Minnesota, but they don't necessarily have as many national TV games. But, yeah, him, Beasley, all those guys are kind of going to fit in pretty well, you could already tell. Um, one of the trends – we'll get to the big trade with KD. I want to hear your take on that. Yeah. But – what do, you, what do you make of all these second-round picks just flying around like the Oprah meme? Well, it's funny. I mean, like, guys are getting traded for five second-round picks. Like, I, I've it's never, insane. I've never seen that before. I, I think the Rui, the Rui deal kind of, like, set the price of right. those really good role players, but at the same time, like, guys who aren't going to, like, change your franchise, um, getting traded for second-round picks. And it's like, all right, so if Rui gets traded for three second-round picks – what does that make Gary Payton? What does that make Sadiq Bay? What does that make mm-hmm. James Wiseman? Jay Crowder. Jay yeah. Crowder. Like, what does it make all these guys? And then a second round pick is almost just like a, like, 
an incentive, right? Because Pat Bev got traded with a second-round pick for Mo Bamba. And then Thomas Bryant got traded for three second-round picks back so, like, we could make a trade with – it's just like this – just like this weird thing that, that was going on. And, and I've, I've never seen anything like it, honestly. I, mean, I know. It was, it was very entertaining because it was all of a sudden, like – I feel like second-round picks are kind of just tossed in at the end of bigger deals yeah. where there's more players involved. But it was like this – it kind of reminded me of uh, what Trevor Land was saying on the pod, where there's these relationships and other teams see what, like you're saying, they set the market. And it was almost like, oh, well, Rui went for second-round picks. Well, we have second-round picks. We could trade those. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, just throw these out, and like we could get who we want. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty like entertaining as far as like those deals. And some of them were for good players that will definitely end up mattering in, like, playoff and championship races. Well, I mean, if you look at the beginning of this year, Sadiq Bay was a cornerstone for Detroit, and now he got traded for second-round picks. It's just a – it's – I mean, I'm obviously biased with Sadiq just, just because of mm-hmm. – I know him as a the person. relationship super, there. Yeah, relationship, super hard worker, does all the right things, eats the right things, whatever, all, all those things. And uh, now he's in a new situation in Atlanta. So, I mean, I'm excited for him, but at the same time, I, I just think it's uh, – it was definitely weird. Like I, th- I think you told me, thirty-eight second-round picks were, were traded. In this yeah, it was. It was a total of thirty-eight. I love stats like that, but yeah, it was a total of 30, 38 picks. Um, last thing on that, though, what what is the success rate of a second-round pick? Do you even know? I'm genuinely asking this. It's not like a trivia where I have the answer. No, I, I, have, I have no idea. But what I will say is, now I'm not just saying this because I was I was an undrafted guy, but a second-round pick in a, in a two-way at this point to me is is pretty similar, right? Because right. a lot of these guys in the second round are getting put on two ways for their first year or second year. So I don't know. That's 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 really, that's a really interesting point, Pat. I've never thought about it like that. Well, because I'm just thinking, you know, you're like, oh, I, it's it's just five second round picks, but I mean, you could end up with like a Jalen Brunson or a Josh Hart, well, or a Nikola Jokic. Yeah, of course. But I, I also think <laughs> I also think like uh, even like a Max Christie in the second round is is very. Good oh yeah, of course. Right, like even yeah, guys that's like that's a that. better example. Yeah, even guys like well, that. I think of him as a first rounder. He was a first rounder because he was your first pick. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, he's a first rounder. <laughs> yeah, shout out Max. But uh, yeah, of course, shout out Max. He's been playing well. He's playing with you guys tomorrow, right? The G League team. Yep, okay. Well, this it'll be it'll be last night by the time we try or by the time we time travel and listeners listen to this on Thursday. But yeah, um, the other thing was with the trade line. There was two giant deals. The Kyrie one was a little bit before the trade deadline, but um, what was kind of your initial reaction to that? I think my first reaction was, how is Luka and Kyrie going to fit together? Mm-hmm. There's two ball-dominant guys, two guys who play with the ball in their hands. And <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I think the first question for me was, how are they going to play together? Then I, I brought up this point to you, Patty, was like, he also Kyrie also played with LeBron as well, and LeBron's a right. is a ball dominant guy too. So, I think the fit is the first thing that came to mind. Like how how is this going to mesh? But at the same time, I, I do think Kyrie's versatile in, in a place where he can be the main ball handler, or he can go to the side and pick his spots where to be dominant. So, um, yeah, that, that I, yeah. I, as as we're taping this, they're zero two playing together. Um, last night they lost like a real close game. Yeah, it was kind of a funny last possession where they were trying to figure out who should shoot it, but and, and then um, you get a shot off. Yeah, it was nuts. But yeah, I mean the, their first or Kyrie's first game with them against the 
Clippers. Luka didn't play, but he had like a 27-point quarter, so it's kind of that thought process where when guys are that good, then they'll just end up figuring it out. Especially Brooklyn the- got a good haul on that, though. Oh, I agree. I, I think I think mm-hmm. Brooklyn kind of once once they traded Kyrie, I think they kind of realized their championship window might have closed or cl- mm-hmm. close to it, and they went all in on a. They're going to be a really really competitive team. They'll probably make the playoffs, and they're going to be a tough out. But at the same time, I don't think they're looking at a championship contending team anymore. <laughs> right. I'm surprised they didn't trade for you. They have every six seven to six nine guy in the whole league. Yeah, got, got a lot. Got a lot of. <laughs> Shooting as well. A lot of wings. Yeah, a lot, yeah, of, a lot, of, shooting. A lot of shooting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then, I mean, we're talking about it. His teammate, Kevin Durant, has then moved two days later. That kind of came out of nowhere. Like, Kyrie requested the trade, and it usually I feel like the request doesn't accelerate that quick, but he gets traded, then, like, literally 48 hours later, all of a sudden, KD is a son. Yeah, that was crazy. Can you say that there? What did you say? Is, is that how it works? Katie's a son. Katie is a son. Yeah, he's a like, son. you know, uh, Cole Swider is a Laker. Did yeah. you say that? Like, is SGA a Thunder? Yeah. Uh, uh, that sounds weird. But anyway, go on. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that was confusing to me because I, I just didn't have any idea that that was just going to happen like that, right? And it was at such a no weird time of the night. I think it was at, like, 1030, like... Uh, Pacific, yeah. Pacific. So it was such a Our weird... time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was such a weird time <laughs> of the night. Where I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, and, yeah, but I guess the new Suns owner just just came in there and just wanted to really get shit done. So, I mean, shout out to him. He, he, he got shit done yeah, quick. Yeah, honestly. He, uh, he he gave up a lot of his assets. He gave up a really good player, Mikhail Bridges, really good player, and Cam Johnson. I mean, he <laughs> he decided basically just to go all in four first-round picks. And, I mean, Mikhail's kind of added to his game this year where, he, where he's not like a, like a role player anymore. He's averaging 17 and a half. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 40% from three. He guards the best player on every on every single team they play against. So I mean that's a big loss, but at the same time, I mean when you have a chance to get KD and especially with the aging CP3, like you have to you have to capitalize it on those years. Right. I really respect that move. Just immediately bursting through the doors and throwing all your chips to the table or in the middle of the table. But uh, yeah, Mikhail, I feel like people think of him as two years of that playoff run is when a lot of people got eyes on him, and at that point he was still mainly just a 3 and D guy, but with Booker and Paul being hurt this year, he's been like been creating phenomenal. for himself a lot more. Phenomenal. He also has probably the coolest uh, three-point celebration in the in the league. I don't know if you've, you've caught that, the, the point and the head turn. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great. He said he got yeah. it from Manny Machado. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not a big Manny Machado guy, although if he wants to come on the pod, he could come on the pod. <laughs> but uh, he dubbed the Phillies one time. So. It's all good. But, yeah, that's, that's a very good. Um, Swider. Unrelated, it usually doesn't take this long to get into your uh, your week here playing, but my biggest takeaway from this year you've been or this week you've been playing very well. Yesterday you had nine assists. When is the last time you had nine assists in a ball game? I think we were talking about this earlier. I don't think I've ever been recorded at nine assists, right? I, I right. think I think I've probably got nine assists in the AAU game or uh or a high school high school game. Yeah. But being recorded at nine assists is totally different. And I had eight in the first half. Yeah. And uh, I had a couple chances to get 10 and 11, but it wasn't meant to be. Nine assists, nine assists for the night. Kind of kind of scored more in the second half. Scored more in the second half mm-hmm. yesterday. But, but, yeah, man, it was, uh, I mean, with, with these yeah. past two games and then playing a doubleheader on Thursday, I mean, it's been, it's been a it's been Are crazy you just week. in one of those zones right now? You're, like, burning it from from deep. 
I mean, I think as a shooter, you, you got to take the good with the bad, right? I mean, I, I've been I've been shooting the ball well. I guess I went on. I wasn't shooting it for well for a little bit. I'm just on one of those streaks right now. So hopefully I can keep it going, mm-hmm. keep keep making shots. I think I'm in a good spot with just just my teammates learning how to play with each other. I'm, I'm I know where I'm getting my shots, and I'm, I know I'm starting to get in the position with Shaq and with DC and with Jay, where where our two man games are working, where mm-hmm. where we can see like these passes coming through and 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 kind of before the play happens. So um, I'm, I think I, I think I'm definitely starting to get into a groove for sure. Are you uh, a shooter with your mindset where uh, JJ Redick has talked about this on his podcast where there's a lot of people they'll prepare, they'll have a routine, they'll do whatever they do, but then if they go one for 11, you'll see them after the game getting more extra shots up or the next day they'll get extra shots up. But then if they go eight for 11 the next game, they won't take those extra shots. And the argument is, like, your routine is your routine. No matter what happens in the games, you got to keep that consistent. You've always struck me as a guy that would lean towards the second mindset. Is that something where, like, if you shoot how you did the last two games, are you changing up your routine all? Because you're like, oh, I'm good. I've I'm, been I'm shooting it real well. And on the flip side, if you were to go one for eight next game, are you going to be like, oh, I need to get in the gym tomorrow and shoot extra shots? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I would say the only time I would do that is if if I felt something was wrong with my shot, right? So mm-hmm. if I feel like I need to get like, like some more arc on my shot, or I need to get a better base, or I'm, I'm not hold my, my shot's not as tight as I want it to be, then then I might go in the gym and shoot those extra shots and, f- and feel good and, and feel in that rhythm. Or or for example, I mean this year it, it's been different for me because I've been going up and down, right? So I'll be on the road with the Lakers for a week and a half, and then I, I don't get those reps with South Bay. That, that I would normally get, and then I so may, maybe I'll go in the gym a little bit extra that week. I'm with the Lakers, and kind of go out out of out of my routine just so I can, I can get the cardio, the reps because that 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 is different than my normal my normal time mm-hmm. period. But like for these past for this past week and a half, I, I think I've just been uh, just been doing my everyday routine, been locked in, and then we've been on the road too. So you you can't really get into like a like an everyday knowing, like All right, set, yeah. I, I'm gonna have a gym time at this time. I'm gonna have uh, shots at this time. I'm, you know what I mean. But when I'm home, I I, mm-hmm. I, I, st- I stick pretty rigid to my routine. And, but at the same time, though, like th- there is nights where maybe if I have more energy, I'll go back to the gym. Or like th- th- yeah. there, there there are those times. But um, mm-hmm. I would say I'm I'm a big routine guy as well. I think all shooters have to be. Yeah, it's all like you're just creatures of habit. It's all um like playing out the the results by the outcomes it's like you're not gonna really find consistency that way no for sure but yeah so you mentioned at the top q's giant win today they just beat nc state um pretty back and forth game judah was very clutch down the stretch gsc outwards 16 points 18 rebounds big maybe three I had that backwards drained a three drilled big three. a three big three um his first he's now an 100 percent career three-point shooter i'm gonna assume that's first in Q's history but um yeah I mean we watched it live with Jimmy we didn't like live stream it or anything but it's pretty entertaining to watch with him pretty entertaining game to watch front to back oh yeah no it was a great game just super proud of the guys I mean they, we, we've been going through this the past two years of just end of the game like what's gonna happen like are we gonna get a bad call or something like, you know what I mean and and today tonight we just prevailed um I think everyone really stepped up, played well. I thought McLeek played well. I thought Jesse played well. I thought Joe picked his spots really well. I thought 
Judah was able to get down, get down there, and and makes make stuff happen. You, you know, Judah just gets in there. You know what I mean? Um, and and that's where he's at his best. So, so he's. Uh, what do you say? They're in position here, though. They're in position here. I mean, Lenardi, bracketology. I would love to have him on the podcast, Joe Lenardi. But oh, yeah. uh, he was saying they got to go four and two here down the stretch in order to to have a chance to get kind of back in the bubble. I can see. Honestly, it. I look at the schedule. I see six and zero. But um, I wouldn't mind why that. You will be, you will be in the house this weekend at the dome. Yep, excited to get excited to come back home, man. Uh, Excited to come back home. Excited to be back in Syracuse. Excited to see my guys go up against Duke. And I mean, Duke had, Duke had a good win, good win tonight too against Notre Dame. So should, should be. Oh, a good did they win? win? Yeah, they, they beat Notre Dame. Yep. Was that a home? Yep, home home game. At Cameron. Yep. Another week, another great episode with Troy. Really, really uh, appreciate you guys um, tuning into that episode. It was actually our fourth best episode as a podcast. So really, really starting to pick it up. Hope for another great week with Jimmy coming up th- this week as well. But um, shout out to Blue Wire. Um, follow us at Swider Show on all platforms. Email us your questions at, at SwiderShow at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, man, it's another great episode with Jimmy. Can't wait, can't wait for you guys to hear it. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it's time. He stayed up late for us. Very anticipated. Very important member of the show, Swider. Uh, he's someone who's who's mentioned on I don't know maybe five or six times every single episode. Yep. Dear friend of ours, a man that needs no introduction, but we'll give him an introduction. He's currently a forward for Nimburg in Czech Republic. I hope I said that right. Former Syracuse Orangeman and King of the Dome, especially scoring first in the Dome. Owner of the Barclays Center. The most ambidextrous lefty in basketball history. Bills, Yankees, and Orlando Magic, for some reason. Super fan. And uh, most notably, Swider, the, a self-proclaimed 750-plus hitter in ninth grade baseball. <laughs> Jimmy Bayheim, welcome to the Swider Show, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. I mean, I don't know. I think I might just log off now. That's all I came here for. Right? Dude, I mean, I've been preparing that for 20 episodes. This is very long overdue. Um, this, is, this, is, this feels right. Oh, it feels right. It, it, I would say, I, I did, you notice, I didn't say we, uh, we're welcome out a guest because it does not feel like a guest. This feels like family. 
This feels like the podcast. Yeah, group, um, group message is still called the podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Podcast yeah, that's question what, mark, yep. Before uh before we jump into like the actual interview, because we are gonna interview Jim. Uh, we were going through today looking at our group message that is still titled Podcast Question Mark from March fifteenth of last year. Me and Jim and Swider were having some banter in the locker room. And I was driving home. I think I was going to Core Life. And I was sitting in my car. I just fired off a text. I think we should start a podcast. And then I said, I think it would do numbies. And both of you guys said, I don't know what numbies are. So obviously you weren't you weren't in the podcast mindset. But <laughs> but here we are. I mean, here, here we, we are. are. Yeah. Only, only, had to, only had to watch Listen to Buddy come on twice. So, you know, <laughs> it's all right. We're here now. Gave you guys a little crap for that earlier in the year. But... You know, it's good to be here. And if you guys are looking for more guests, I could probably get my uh, eighth grade baseball coach on here for you guys. You guys <laughs> break down some of the some of the numbers. You know, that seven fifty average. So, um, you know, it's it's true. It's true. Breaking down I mean, the numbers. Yeah, o- only Jimmy like would that. say that. Yeah. That and Will having a hundred. You know, those are kind of one A, one B. I think monumental. Yeah, I mean, this is a monumental episode. This is the twentieth episode, but. Um, Jim, give us a little life update here. I'm sure a lot of Cuse fans have been have been checked in, pun, after you switched <laughs> from uh, from Greece to Czech recently. So kind of just like, you know, give the listener a little insight into that decision, how it's going, how the transition's going. Yeah, man, it's been a crazy year. Um, you know, it's been an awesome one, though. Kind of the first year as a pro. Um, I feel like I've experienced a lot um, throughout it, you know, starting off in Greece. Um, really, really love the country. Unbelievable place to live. Um, really good basketball, too. A lot of really good players out there. Um, sound like Chris Lavelle already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's good basketball players around the country, around the world, man. That's another key. That's another guy who gets to mention every single episode. He'll, he'll be on at some point, too. <laughs> really like Greece. It was great. Um, you know, team struggled a little bit. Um, the coach that brought me there got fired halfway through the year. Um, just a lot of crazy stuff. Um, you know, one thing led to another, and I ended up here in, in Nimburg, um, in the Czech Republic, about 30, 45 minute drive from Prague, uh, which I've gotten to go to a few times already. It's another really great city. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, joined the joined the team. I was talking to you guys before we came on air. They've won 19 years in a row, um, the Czech, <laughs> Czech Championship. So. You know, we're going to try to try to continue that on here. It's just been great to be uh, part of such a good club already. A lot of really good players on our team. And, um, you know, I've had some fun winning some games with uh, so far in the first couple of weeks I've been here. No, that's great, Jim. Uh, one thing that we, we heard continuously from Buddy, your dad, um, and even your mom was saying that how much you enjoyed Greece as a country, how much you love the food. And if you guys know Jimmy, Jimmy's not the most – he doesn't. He doesn't. He's a very picky eater, to put it at that. Talk about Greece. Talk about how much you love the, the culture of it, even though the basketball part may have not has gone as well. Yeah, um, I guess start with the food, like you mentioned. Uh, my mom and my dad were so so nervous about you know the food situation <laughs> coming over here because, like you said, I am I am picky, uh, notoriously picky. Um, but the food in Greece was perfect. You know, it's it's very simple, which obviously is good for me to begin with. Um, you know, the, they, they have, you know, really good protein, you know, all the, you know, lamb, beef, chicken. Yeah, give us some specifics. You're eating a lot of gyros? <laughs> you name it. It's, it's gyros. That's how they say it, not gyros. Okay, gyros. Yeah, of course. 
they were after me for that pretty early. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the Euros were, they're some of the best things I've ever had. I still think about them a lot. With the, you know, the Satsuki sauce. I still can't say that right, though. But, um, you know, the Euros, I would send my family pictures all the time of stuff I was eating. And, you know, my dad, my dad was so jealous every time. He's such a foodie. Um, I'd send him, you know, the pictures of the, the food I would get and stuff like that. He'd be so jealous. Um, and, you know, I expanded my horizons a little bit. You know, I'd, I'd try some things here and there that I'd never thought I would. Um, so, I mean, it came a long way, I guess, with the, with the food part. Um, you know, that was one part of the culture I really liked. Um, you know, everything was really cheap, too. You, you don't really realize until you go over there. But, you know, I, I sent my family, you know, I think I got like 32 ounce bone-in ribeye um, at a really good restaurant, and it was like 30, 30 bucks. Oh, my God. Um, wow. You know, back home, go to New York City, that's probably what 180 i don't even know um but you saw you know so it's taking advantage of stuff like that um it's just a really kind of laid back culture you know um you know work-life balance seems really good there people are always out you know grabbing a coffee um you know grabbing a drink you know going out just enjoying kind of the cities and stuff like that whatever it may be um you know i, I became a coffee guy too which I think if you told me really? that, I'd be, I'd be absolutely stunned. You know, um, I, I thought it was so gross. I tried it again last summer and hated it. I'd always, you know, laugh at Cole when he come in with it, with his coffee every morning um, for workouts or practice or whatever it would be. But um, I started drinking some in Greece. You know, started with, you know, probably a gallon of sugar in him just to get him down. <laughs> but slowly but surely, I started to really like him. And now I don't even really use sugar at all. I bought a, I bought my own coffee maker. <laughs> no way. Um, so it's really going to full one, full one eighty with with coffees. Um, who who is who is this guy, Patty? Yeah, who seriously, he's like giving professional answers here, talking about coffee. It's insane. I'm a changed man for sure. <laughs> he's he's going to come back with that wallet that D Nick has of like that flat wallet that D Nick. Oh, this this is this is overseas style. What's a euro wallet? Yeah, Jim, yeah, you that euro wallet. Did you change your fashion up too? Like are you dressing like a like a euro guy? No, 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 my fashion's the same. Same stuff you guys have always seen. No, no right. fashion. A lot, a lot of black vans. But yeah, for the listener, uh, a little insight <laughs> <laughs> into uh, over on over under on seven and a half black vans. Yeah, yeah those are uh, those are your team shoe. Probably gonna take the over on that. I don't even know. <laughs> but but uh, a little insight for the listener. Last year, for our road trips, Jimmy Beheim had an official in his notes app. I'm sure it's still there. Is it, Jim? Your official ranking of, uh, yeah, do you have it right there? Give us a, give us your top five of road food or uh, road trip food options last year. Yeah, go do you top just five. Want me to give you the top five. I mean, I have it's only thirteen. You want me to see oh yeah, go up? thirteen. Yeah. All right. So um, it goes Miami, Brooklyn, um, New York City, uh, Pittsburgh, Duke, and Carolina were tied because it's the same same, same hotel. hotel. Yeah, yeah. Florida State. <laughs> Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Georgetown, Notre Dame, NC State, and then there's like a really big gap, <laughs> and then Atlantis. <laughs> so, just just to make this note for the listeners, Jimmy actually is a big chicken parm guy, and that's actually the one through fifteen of the chicken parm yeah. that I served. So, <laughs> yeah, it's literally just a chicken parm rating. That was surprising, though. Like you would think Atlantis would have good foods. And it was awful. They do. I just think, you know, they, the Kate, I don't know. I hope no one's watching this from, Atlanta, from the Atlanta. I don't know. Dude. You, don't, you, you don't have to worry about it. Oh, there's, probably, great, there's probably no, more was, people watching from Atlanta than there are Scranton right now. So. Oh, here we go. Dude, Portsmouth <laughs> was like 14th. 
Hey, Scrant wasn't even on the list, though. Yeah, well, I mean, we're figuring that out. Jimmy, we have a big uh, Phoenix. We have a big Phoenix contingent. (laughs) Hopefully, we get one or two Prague Prague viewers. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't see Prague on the list either. Some some international viewership here. That'd be be big time. Um, Um, Yeah, so like you said, it was was really chicken parm rankings. Um, (laughs) I, you know, at the top of this, when I sent this in at the end of the year, it says at the top. Committee members, Jimmy Beheim, list is final because everyone was saying, but the salmon at NC State was so good. I didn't have the salmon. You know, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't comment on that. You can't even judge it. Make your own committee. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to complain about the list, make your own list. Uh, Honestly. I actually kind of took it as gospel. Like, I kind of agree with that looking back on it. (laughs) I never even ate the chicken parm either. It's, it's the final list, you know. No one can say otherwise. It's, it's the only list out there. All right, Jimmy. So let's let's get back to basketball. Obviously, you you played four years or five five years. No, four years of college because one year got canceled. You played in the Ivy League for three years. Played in the ACC for a year, and then you go overseas and and well, you play in summer league and then you go overseas. Talk about the biggest adjustment from playing the American game for so long in your life. Four years of college. You played in NBA summer league. So now you're overseas. You're playing. You played in Greece. You played. In, you're playing in Prague now. Talk about the biggest adjustment in terms of just the basketball. Yeah, I think you know one of the big things over here, especially, is the physicality. Um, rest a lot, a lot of things go, especially on the road. Um, you know, so just, just that's been a big thing. You know, just being more physical, um, making contact with guys first, stuff like that. Um, that's probably been the biggest thing for me. And then it's just everything's so tactical. I feel like here, you know, it's not. You don't see as much one-on-one um, as you do maybe back home. Um, it's a lot of, you know, sets, a lot of just, you know, not even just sets, but just it's always trying to make the right reads. Um, you know, the, the ball played a lot through, you know, point guards and stuff like that. You think of, you know, um, some of the great European point guards that have come over um, to the NBA. It's guys, guys like that on, on most teams over here. Maybe they just, you know, aren't quite as good, but, you know, they, it seems like they make the perfect read every single time. Um you know, so it's it's stuff like that um, that I think you know jumps out to me first and foremost. But Jim, you are the first international player guest we've had on the show. We've had uh, some G League players, some NBA players, some college players. Can you give us a look into your day to day over there? Are you still playing one game a week? Um, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Like I said in the intro, it's eleven thirty your time. How are you spending your days over there? How are you occupying your time? Yeah, so kind of day by day. It's, it's different here than it was in Greece because in Greece we would only play once a week because so um, every single team over here plays in their domestic league. Um, so every team in Greece plays in the Greek league. But then, you know, in the Greek league there's two Euro League teams. Um, there's a couple teams in the Euro Cup and there's one team in the Champions League. Um, and those are kind of like European contests. Um, like the Euro League is the second best league in the world after the NBA. Um and so on and so forth. But so they would play in the middle of the week. So because of that, kind of the other seven teams that were in the league, including my team, um, wouldn't really be able to play because our opponents were playing in, in, throughout Europe. Um, so we only had one game a week there, which was kind of a bummer. Um, and the team I'm currently on is actually in the Champions League um, normally, which is kind of a big reason um, that, you know, uh, that I was really excited to come over here and play here. But um, you know, that part of the season ended for them. So now we're just in the Czech League, but we're playing two, two, two days a week uh, here, which is, you know, much better than just playing once a week. But 
you know, typical day, you know, it's just, you know, a practice um, in the morning, a couple hours, um, you know, weights every other day or something like that, probably. And then, you know, sometimes we'll have a shooting practice at night, maybe once or twice a week. But, you know, for the most part, I'm just kind of going to practice. And then I come home three or four and kind of have the rest of the day um, to myself, which, you know, I've, I've enjoyed. Jimmy, do you guys have a, a practice facility over there? Are you guys able to get in the gym whenever? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, it's just we have one gym. It's, you know, the gym that we play in, our games in and practice in. And, uh, yeah, we, we have access pretty much whenever we want to get in there. Um, just, you know, send a text to um, one of the guys that, that works for the team, and they'll let us in, and, you know, we can do whatever we need to do. You guys sell merch uh, or not? That's a good question. At the games, they do. I don't know if really? they have, like, a website or anything like that, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a classic over there it's about it's a lot of like pinstripe shorts last jerseys so i've always wanted like some merch now that you're over there it's an excuse to get one not that you offered but J- jimmy if you, if you could explain to the listeners uh two things right so you average eight and four for your greece team but people don't know that the best players over in greece and, and euro league they average like 11 or 12 points a game so first can you explain that and second can you explain obviously People know about trades happening. People know in the NBA, they know about guys getting released. But um, talk about the normalcy of, of changing teams midway through the year and, and how that actually benefits you in the long run going up into Champions League from the Greek league that you were in. Yeah, so that's that's interesting for sure. Um, like you said, you know, the numbers are, are different here. Um, you're not seeing as many 20-point-per-game guys. Um, I think another difference that we were talking about earlier that I think of now is um, the minutes are a lot more balanced, especially compared to college. Obviously, you see it more in the NBA, but here you see a lot of guys that average, you know, anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes, even the best players on the team. Like the team I'm on currently, we kind of play 10, 11, 12 guys a game, and everyone plays wow. about 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, you know, I think our advantage here is that we have a really deep team, so we kind of take advantage of that by doing that. But, um, you know, that that's probably part of the reason the numbers are kind of like that and also just because um, – I don't know. A lot of teams that balance scoring, um, lower scoring games over here for sure. Obviously, compared to the NBA or whatever, maybe a lot of games are, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Um, not too many you see in the hundreds and stuff like that. So I think that's the reason for that. And then, um, like you said, yeah, guys change teams all the time, you know, um, whether it may, maybe it's just not a good fit. You know, you see that a lot over here, like well, good players just end up in a bad fit for them and um, kind of mutual decision with the team and the player to kind of change and go to a different team where, you know, they might do really well. Um, or, you know, other examples are like uh, a lot of guys get bought out. So some of these lower teams, like my previous team was kind of a lower budget um, team. Um, and we had a couple couple guys actually get bought out by some bigger teams. Um, and so the, the players would, would move up and they would, and the club would get uh, reimbursed um, with whatever their buyout fee was on their contract. So I got played with Javin Delorier. Um, from Duke, from Duke, excuse me, um, in, in, in Greece, um, and he, he was playing, having a really good year for us. And a team in Israel actually bought him out, so um, that benefits my club because then they have money to, um, you know, go out and get more players or whatever it may be. And also for Javin, a guy like Javin, you know, he gets to go up to a better club. So um, you know, it's kind of cool how um, how flexible things are. But on the, on the flip side, you know, if you have a few bad games or even if you're playing well and the team's just not doing well you know next thing you know you might get cut and end up on a different team but um kind of like we talked about this, it could it can be for the best is that like hanging over your head a little bit like when you first got over there was it tough to adjust to 
because that's a different type of pressure than you've ever felt in your life, I'm sure. So um, you were obviously playing really well, so you're not necessarily at jeopardy of it. But did you struggle with that when you first got over there? Yeah, I think you definitely think about it, especially as your team, you know, starts to struggle. I think you think about it even more. Um, you know, just it is. It definitely did creep into my head a couple of times. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about. You know, I got to have a good game, or I might have to find a new team. You know, <laughs> yeah. move, move to a different country. You know, not even just kind of figure things out. You know, you're already away from home, and now all of a sudden you don't have a team and stuff like that. So you know, it's definitely something that you know you think about. But you know, through this whole thing, I've just kind of trusted God's plan. You know, it's crazy that I've ended up here already. You know, no one else could could write this except God, I think. So, you know, I've kind of just trusted that the whole time and, you know, prayed on that when I was in Greece, you know, when our season wasn't going well, knowing that, you know, a change could come and just, you know, trusting him and, you know, I end up in a great position like I am now. So just just thankful for, for him. For sure, man. Jimmy, do you have any – what's your craziest story from overseas basketball? Because I've heard from Jimmy Barron, he, he was talking about they're on a losing streak, they cut a head off a goat, then they go on a seven-game winning streak – uh, I've heard from Hassan Martin, guy like guys Wait, getting what? followed to the prep. Yeah. Is that a real thing? It's a real story. He he was either in Turkey or Greece, and his team was on a seven game losing streak, uh, or, or maybe like a maybe like a three or four. I, I forget they were on a losing streak, and the owner of the team goes outside and, and and in this country it's a sign of luck to cut a head off a goat. It just brings your Jesus team luck. Jesus Christ! And uh, I guess they they all huddle around the goat outside the arena. He cut the head off, and then the team went on a seven-game winning streak after that. Wait, real quick interjection here, Swider. So Jimmy is uh, the self-proclaimed also king of knowing where basketball players went to college. So Jim, Jimmy Barron, where did he go to college? Rhode Island, come on now. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, easy. That's I thought easy. I had it. I thought I had it. He had a great, great mixtape, but go on. He went off yeah, the true. He went off the His zone. brother. Oh, that's why you know that. I, just, I would know it anyway. Come yeah, on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Hassan Martin was telling me his team during the COVID year, there was no fans going on, but they were having a bad season, and fans would wait outside their practice facility for him, waiting for them to, to walk in. So I don't, know if you, I don't know if you have any crazy stories like that, but it, do you have any crazy stories from overseas basketball? Because the, the culture is different, and people do have a big fandom of the teams over there. I definitely can't top that, but, you know. <laughs> Man, that's good. That's really good. Um just beheading animals? You you see any of that over there? Or no? I haven't I haven't beheaded any animals, so like, it's a tough tough thing to beat. But like, you know, I would just talk about the fans. I think the fans are some of the fans, especially in Greece. I found were just so crazy, so into it. One of the gyms we played in had to put a net on the court because the fans are known for you know throwing stuff on the court. You know, I've heard they've thrown coins on the court, like all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, you know, one thing you know. So as you guys know, I have asthma. Um, pretty bad yep. asthma and some I've always you know struggled with or dealt with on the court and you know in Greece a lot of times you would go into the locker room halftime come out and you'd look up and there'd be like a big cloud of smoke on the roof and it's because everyone just was smoking cigarettes at halftime oh you know? no and and they just start doing it in the gym and who, who's going to come up and kick out the whole gym I guess you know whole yeah. gym of fans. so um, you know it never really affected me too much but stuff like that I was this is crazy over here. Like, what? Is smoking cigarettes in the gym? <laughs> that's so funny. That's like a that's like a nineteen eighties bar. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Like the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of cool. It's different. So, um, it's not unhealthy for like Europeans to do that. Also, is it uh, is a little confusing when 
they're yelling stuff at you. And you don't know if it's like encouraging or an insult because you can't understand them. Yeah, you know, you definitely the language barrier is also interesting. You know, after you, you know, sometimes you make a bad play and your teammate might say something and you kind of can tell they're mad at you. Yeah, <laughs> no idea what they're saying. And <laughs> your coach will go off and say some stuff and. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on me. I got you, Coach. I, you don't have to understand. You don't have to know what they're saying to know what they're trying. What they're right. I mean, you could t- yeah, you you could tell by the tone how, how they're feeling about you or whatever. Sure. So, um, but you know, I noticed even some of the fans that didn't really speak English, especially at away away places, they would know like one or two words that they could throw at you as an insult to kind of try to mess with you or stuff like that. So. Um, now the fans are great over here. They're really cool, really passionate. Jim, so kind sure, of backtracking man. a little bit here. Um, you can follow Jimmy's international team on Instagram, by the way. You're not going to understand any of the captions, but Jimmy always <laughs> looks nice and nice and handsome in the pictures. So uh, make sure you do that. Thank you, sir. But right before you head overseas, you had the opportunity to play in summer league. As most listeners know, you played last year with your brother Buddy Jackson, who's been on the show twice. So you're going to have to uh, outdo him there and come back on whenever we ask you. Absolutely. But um, you then had the opportunity to play with him also in Summer League. So what were kind of your main takeaways there? Did you learn anything about your game? Um, were you able to kind of translate some of that into now your season, your first professional season? Like, how was that experience in Vegas for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first just kind of the whole experience was just something that I never thought I'd get to do and something that I'll remember forever, you know, from – um, you know, I look back at kind of my career and have no offers out of high school and kind of ended up in the summer league is pretty crazy to me. So um, just being there was, was incredible and being there with Buddy on top of that um, made it even more special. So, um, you know, with him being a kind of a two-way guy and just kind of, I think, being there for him and helping him, you know, just watching him adjust kind of to, to, to that game was, was really cool. Um, and you know, obviously being a part of it myself, you know, especially with the Pistons, such a young team, you know, the whole, all the guys were there, you know, Cade, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, et cetera, you know, just being able to be out there on the court with them and learning from them in practice every day and learning from the coaches and the kind of the style of play in the NBA and, you know, just taking all those experiences with me. Um, really cool stuff, you know, like I said, something I never, never think I would ever be able to experience. So, um, you know, forever grateful for that and, for those experiences. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For sure, Jim. Is there any memories that you have of Summer League? I mean, obviously, you did all these pre-draft workouts. What, do you have eight pre-draft workouts, nine pre-draft workouts? I think I had five. Okay. Yeah, I just I just assumed Jimmy had more, Patty. You know, <laughs> yeah, just... I mean, you should have. You and Buddy, man. You and Buddy racked up miles. 20. Yeah, no. Crazy. Talk, talk about those pre-draft workouts, the five pre-draft workouts you had. And did that kind of also like sink in, sink in yet? Like I'm in these NBA facilities. I'm, I'm working out for the Bucks. I'm working out for the, these different teams. Talk, talk about th- those opportunities and how special those were for you. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing, you know. Like my agent getting a text from my agent, like you work out with 
the Milwaukee Bucks next week. I'm like, what? <laughs> Stuff like that, getting to go in those facilities. Um, you know, I don't know. It's hard to even put into words, to be honest with you. You know, just, just knowing all the great players that, that play there and, you know, getting to go in there and actually work out for an NBA team and, you know, having some good ones and, you know, kind of the confidence and stuff that, that, that you know, being there is, has, has given me, you know, going forward, just kind of that, you know, I belong here, you know, as a, you know, pro athlete and stuff like that, you know, I mean, it's just really, really special um, for sure. I mean, just like I said, hard to put into words, honestly. Uh, Jim, here's a dumb, here's a dumb question. What is this is for both of you actually? What's what's the uh, number selecting process like in the summer league? Because Jim, you were rocking what the forty six. What was that forty six? Yeah, yeah. The number selection process is you walk in and there's a jersey on your seat and you they just throw it to you. I was gonna say I don't know if you're choosing forty six. It's not my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Cole. Cole probably got more of a choice with. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was, what you were you were twenty, weren't you? Twenty one. Uh, I was twenty one. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to pick my my jersey number. So, yeah. I remember not being surprised, you know, just as a summer league guy. But I remember leaning over to Buddy and like forty seven. Dude, that's that's like. I mean, I got very lucky last year. I ended up being number one. But I when I like when the whole thing fell into place and I found I was going to be walk on, I was like, I'm definitely going to be like fifty two. <laughs> But um, that's actually a pretty good segue into last last year. How about that, Swider? That, that was great. That was great, Patty. That was very nice, nicely done. But, um, Jim, so you're talking about kind of the surrealness of playing in the summer league. I'd imagine last year, this is well documented, was one of the more surreal seasons, if not the most surreal season of your life. Um, when Buddy was on, we asked him about the conversation he had with your dad when he asked you, asked Buddy to play for him. So I was curious, last year, you know, the COVID year, you sit out, Swider mentioned before, your season's canceled. At what point did that kind of become a realistic option? And can you take us behind the scenes of that specific conversation? Because I'm sure it was very similar to the one that Buddy had. Yeah, I think I used the word surreal in interviews last year, like a thousand times probably. I mean, there's no other there's no other way to describe it. It's a great adjective. Yeah, there isn't. But, you know, um, from the moment I, you know, co- uh that I would cancel. I, I knew I was going to be in the portal, and I knew, I knew obviously where I wanted to be wanted to be um, at Syracuse. But it had to be, you know, the right situation. Um, you know, I wasn't just going to come and I don't know, play 10, 15 minutes. You know, I wanted to be somewhere I was going to play and somewhere I was needed and stuff like that. And um, you know, my dad and I would obviously talk about it a lot during the year, like the possibility of it. Um, you know, maybe maybe Syracuse would have a bad game and. I'd be at home, and he'd come home and be like, you're coming here next year. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the next day or two, he'd reel it back, and he'd be like, let's see where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> and the well, process would that is, forward and have a bad game. He'd come home, you're coming here next year. And then, that is, like, a funny dynamic of it because it's not like you were playing your own season. Like, you were home the entire time just watching those games. So he'd come home and be like, hey, man. Yeah, he'd, he'd come home and talk, we'd talk about the games and – you know, I talk about we talk about ways, you know, maybe I could have fit in or helped or whatever it may be. And then um, but, yeah, really, we didn't know. And so after the year, um, you know, weren't really sure what was going to happen with, you know, some of the guys. Obviously, some guys transfer, some guys leave, um, which, you know, just was the way it worked out. And after all that happened, you know, it was pretty clear that, um, you know, I was going to come home to Syracuse. So I think you were the worst kept secret in transfer portal history. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, no one was really surprised when I uh, when I announced, but you know, it wasn't as clear cut the whole way through. But um, yeah, definitely towards the end, I feel like it was it was pretty obvious. So, so so obviously, you, had, you, you I thought you had a really good individual season. Talk about just the season. We'll talk about it quickly because obviously we, we've talked about our season last year over and over on this podcast. But um, talk about the season as a whole. You actually get you play around 30, 35 minutes a game. You have a good season statistically. Um, you kind of proved everyone that you, that you were a high major player at the end of the day. It's, it's one thing to play at Syracuse, but it's another thing to impact the team and impact winning. Talk about what that meant to you, uh, along with playing with your brother and playing in the dome for your father, and, and wearing and wearing that jersey and playing well. Yeah, um, you know, it definitely it definitely meant a lot to me. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about it a million times. The season didn't go the way we wanted to. You know, a couple of tough breaks here and there. You know, a couple of games that. You know, we we obviously should have done more, but um, you know, over time it gets gets a little better. Obviously, you still think about it every once in a while, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the memories and we had an unbelievable group of guys. Um, you know, the whole team was family. You know, that coaching staff is family to me, and then obviously the literal blood family with Buddy and my dad. You know, I mean, it's stuff that um, you know I'll never ever forget about in my whole life. Um, and you know, going in there and you know, like you said. Um, you know, doing some good stuff individually too. Um, was never, you know, at the top of my goals. You know, I just wanted to come to Syracuse and, um, you know, do, have a good year, have a winning year, and impact it as best I could. You know, just the just the program that I grew up watching and loving. Um, but you know, to be there and and uh, to to have a pretty good year and just like I said, the memories and the experiences and you know, putting on that jersey that I've worn running around the house in my playroom and my little tech suit growing up. You know, it's just a crazy uh, full circle moment um, and just stuff that, um, you know, I'll never, ever forget. So, Jim, being a primarily left-handed player, you would think that going to the basket, you, you would use your left hand, right? Well, I think the first play of last year and every single game kind of proved that you're naturally a right-handed player. Um, is that nice. something that you've always had? Is that something that you've always had or is that something that you kind of developed over time and, and you've added to your game? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, everything I do in life is, is right-handed, you know, from throwing to kicking to writing to whatever, you name it, um, except shooting the ball. So, um, you know, I'd ask my parents, you know, how this happened, and they said, you know, from an early age, I was just shooting left-handed on our, on our little hoop, and they, neither of them could figure out, neither of them did anything to stop it. Um, you know, until probably 10th grade, I shot a little bit two-handed because I was too weak to get it up with my which my left hand, which is my weak hand, so... I would get yeah. like a little bit of a push with my right hand, and then I I think I went like 0 for 6 one game from three and got in the car. But I was like, that's it, no more, <laughs> no more right hand. That's we're done, no more. And we went went to the gym and shot for hours. And if I used my right hand at all, it wasn't having it. So from that point on, you know, switched to just shooting left handed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think my touch around the basket has always been a big part of my game. Um, you know, not being the most athletic guy. Um, you know, right-handed hooks, floaters, you name it. So um, my left hand really isn't that great around the basket, honestly. People kind of say sometimes I'm ambidextrous, but I really just shoot left hand and everything around the basket I really want to do with my right hand. But thankfully, <laughs> opponents never really figure that out 100%. I'm giving the way to scouting report on me now. Hopefully no one in Prague yeah. no one sees this over here. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'm really comfortable around the basket with my right hand. It's something that I think has really helped me throughout my career. 
Has that been something that people over there have picked up on? Because last year it was astonishing that like no ACC teams would ever sit on your right hand. Yeah, I think you know, in, when I was at Cornell, the team really, really picked up on it, and I really, you know, they were really forcing me to my left. Um, but after that, you know, it really hasn't happened that much over here. It hasn't happened much. Um, I don't know. It's a mystery. So, so Jimmy, uh, Buddy and your dad have they've talked about this, their relationship all the time as them being best friends and. If anyone's seen you and your dad like interact with each other, you guys have a very different relationship. You guys are you guys are obviously really good friends, but at the same time, you guys disagree about everything. Everything that he says, you're, you're always arguing with him. And if that's about the Yankees, if that's about different sports teams, that's about Tom Brady against Josh Allen. Talk about that relationship and how different it was because of because of obviously your name is after him, right? And then like obviously just just the just the butting heads that you guys are doing, how different that relationship was on the court as well. Yeah, we're just, we're the same person, really. We're both very opinionated <laughs> and we're not afraid to kind of voice our opinion, I think. So, um, you know, our whole life, you know, we, we were kind of like that. You know, we I love, I really love watching games with him, love watching sports. It's kind of what we've always done. And, um, you know, he'll say something about a player or a play and, you know, I don't always agree and I'll, I'll tell him. <laughs> we, might, we might go back and forth for, you know, four or five minutes and at one point he's and his favorite line he used it all the time there's no coming back for it but and i would be right i swear there's sometimes where i would, i know i'm right and he's maybe just being biased towards old school basketball whatever it may be and his snaps he's like, are you in the hall of fame and he raised oh. his voice <laughs> i love it that's when i kind of, and i know that he's frustrated at that point and i kind of sit back i won that no I'm not, but you had nothing left to say, and I would kind of keep that in my head. And I take it as a quiet victory, but at the same time, he kind of won because he said that and made me stop talking. But And then my mom would be in the room over, and she'd just kind of look over and be like, yep, he's your son. <laughs> I mean, that is that is kind of like the ultimate trump card. Yeah, no, nah, there's nothing you can come back from that one with. So um, we've had a ton of arguments. We still do. Um you know, Buddy kind of, him and Buddy are kind of more like, I don't know, they just, Buddy will egg him on sometimes and, and tease him and stuff like that, but they never get, like, really into it like that. Me and my dad are kind of like, our relationship is kind of like best friends that always argue, and Buddy and him are, like, just best friends that are the same, like, just, I don't know, you know, agree with each other and everything's mm-hmm. smooth. So it's it's definitely a different dynamic there, and I remember, you know, when I committed, I was like, all right, I can't, I can't really challenge him anymore, definitely now that coach. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time he said something and practice early on the year before even um game started or anything like that and um i kind of just like looked away or made a little face and he got right up out of his chair walked right on the court and you know was went at me a little bit and so from that point on i was like i really can't say anything anymore so that was kind of the one one instance on the court where um maybe i made a face or said something but other than that you know we Definitely put it on pause for a whole year, but we're back now. <laughs> can you back. Uh, can you give us your best debate that you've had with him? Because I I recall the Jerry West versus Russell Westbrook one that I think you told the team about. There's a lot of good ones. Um, a lot of good ones. It's it's a lot of old school, new school. LeBron, MJ. Um, uh, he said Pete Maravich was like faster than Russell Westbrook or something. I think <laughs> equally athletic as him, and he and Buddy like cried laughing on the couch <laughs> I don't even remember that one was really <laughs> um, 
<laughs> stuff like that. Sometimes I'll, uh, I'll say I'll say I could I think I could beat a former NBA player in one on one in our primes, like a fifties, sixties NBA player. Yeah. See, I don't agree with that. Actually, I'm on your dad's side there. Just because of how much the games changed and stuff like that, I think I could beat them in one on one. He he beat you eleven nothing. You wouldn't even get the ball. <laughs> And I'd be like, I'd win 11-6. Like, come on, it's not even close. <laughs> and so it, that's probably my favorite one. That one's really funny. Um, so it's just, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, Buddy, when Buddy came on the podcast, he gave us a legendary story on uh, the six-overtime game. Um, so what, what, what he told me and Patty was that Buddy was actually at, in, in New York City at the Garden for the game, and you were home with your nanny. And and you went to you went to sleep at at halftime, of that game. You woke up, and she was like, "Oh yeah, Syracuse won." And then you figured out it was a six overtime game, and you were just so upset. Can, can you explain that story to us? I'm still not I'm still not over it. Really, um, <laughs> did he tell you his part of the story? Uh, that you saw hugging in the it, locker yeah. room and everything. He couldn't. He he's. He was he was always so emotional, and he during the games, and he couldn't handle the intensity of the game. He watched like the last. He went at halftime. He went into like a back room at the garden and was just crying his eyes out. And he watched like the whole game and like the back room at the garden. Like, but I wasn't the best, best behaved kid that year, so or any year really. It was Buddy every year. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I she was like. You know, because the tournament games, the the last games the night or later, probably started at, I don't know, it was probably 11.30, midnight, and it was halftime, and she said, you know, you got to go to bed. I'm like, what? Seriously, I'm like, I'm not going, I'm not going to bed. And I like, tried to call my mom, and she wasn't answering, and she's like, you got to go to bed, and turn the TV off, and so I'm like, all right, I go to bed, come down, run down in the next morning, and I'm like, who won, who won? She's like, seriously, I'm like, yes, and she goes, I think it I think it went into like six overtimes or something. And I was like, I just gave her the craziest. I was like, what? And I run, turn TV on and like sports center is just starting to show the game and Connecticut had every single buzzer beating chance. And I sweat through the whole thing and it ended and we won. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like it went into six overtimes and I didn't watch it. And so it's kind of living me forever. I just can't, I don't know if I'll get over not watching that game live. Probably saved a few years of my life by not watching it live. Yeah, seriously, it's a good story to go along with the game. <laughs> Man, forty minutes. <laughs> so, Jim, we're recording this Thursday. Um, the Tuesday. Orange, Tuesday. My bad. Tuesday. The Orange play uh, the NC State Wolfpack, twenty-second ranked. I think they're twenty-second in about an hour yeah. and a half here, or hour now, under an hour. Um, how have you felt about watching the games this year? I know you're usually watching them at about 3 a.m. your time. Um, we've asked every single guest about what their takeaways of this team has been this year. How, how have you felt watching the Orange? Yeah, it's been a lot of, a lot of late nights over here. You know, staying until 3, 4, 5 a.m. watching the games. Um, but, you know, I'm proud of this group. I really am. You know, it's hard to be a freshman in college basketball, and we've got a lot of them. And not only that, but they're in – prime roles you know um they've had to grow up really fast and i think they have just seeing the team's progression and development over the course of the year um has been great seeing guys like joe and jesse um step up and be leaders and really 
be the guys, um, the go-to guys when they need a bucket. Um, you know, both of them have carried the team on their shoulders um, a few times this year. And then, you know, you guys like Judah, who's had who had some incredible games as freshmen, and, and the other guys too. I mean, it's it's really awesome to see kind of just their progression throughout the year. And um, they're putting themselves in a little bit of a position. You know, they have two two big games this week with NC State and State and Duke. And you know, I think if, if they get they get a couple of those wins at home. Um, all of a sudden they're in position um, where a couple more games and they can sneak into the tournament. So I'm um, just really proud of the, the progression of this group. I think there's a lot of talent and it's just a matter of kind of, um, I think the maturation process, which we've seen firsthand throughout the year. So I think can definitely make some noise this back half of the season. Definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. This, this team's been fun to watch. Um, and just, and just seeing these guys grow throughout the year has been, has been fun. And just seeing how your dad's kind of, just adjusted to this group, made, made adjustments, played guys in certain situations. Uh, I think I think he's done a great job with this group, and I'm, I'm proud to see how much better they've gotten throughout the year. For sure. All right, Jim, that was that was phenomenal. That delivered better than we even could have expected. Um, as you may have noticed, we left out the Cornell years. years we left out the early years because that means you have to come back on and discuss those with us. So. Absolutely. Um, I got some, I some good stuff from those days. For thank, sure. thank you very much, Jim. We really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And uh, we hope we hope, we hope, hope Jim lives up to the hype. It's great. A lot of fun. Hey. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. At Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show. And subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer, it's Adam Lewis. Swider Show was created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.